Hello, and welcome to the Workplace Happiness Podcast. In upcoming episodes, we're going to be focusing on working from home. With more and more people working remotely, it's important to know how to work comfortably and efficiently from the comfort of your own home. The idea of flexible working options or working from remote locations has certainly been on the rise in recent years. In 2019, a survey found that 61% of global companies were offering some kind of remote working policies. It was also found that 80% of people would turn down a job that didn't have flexible working options when faced with two similar jobs to choose from. And now, the current global pandemic of COVID-19 has accelerated the need for businesses to accommodate home working where possible. In upcoming episodes, we'll be speaking to people about their working lives and how they're adapting to working from home. I'm delighted in this edition of the Workplace Happiness podcast to be talking to the world famous model, actress and renowned businesswoman Caprice. Uh, Caprice, it's so lovely to talk to you. We're talking in the middle of the COVID-19 lockdown. But I'd like to start by asking you about your early career and getting into modelling. I'm sure lots of people listening to this, uh, young, uh, young girls and young boys will be thinking, gosh, I'd love to do that. So, so how did it happen for you and what advice would you give to people? Well, I mean, one, you know, when I first started modelling, it was such a different time. It was, it, it was um, money was growing on trees back then. And in the modelling days, you know, I... I normally don't believe in luck. I think the the harder you work, the luckier you get. But I did get quite lucky um, it, in one respect only. And I was just at the right place at the right time. I, I did this national TV awards and um, here in England. Oh, let me, let me go beyond that. Um, when I was a young girl, my mom loved beauty pageants. I couldn't stand them. I just wanted to go out and you know, play football and play and play baseball. I was a tomboy. And my mom wanted me to do God dang beauty pageants. So of course to appease my mom, I did them reluctantly. And I ended up winning the Miss Teen California beauty pageant. And the owner of my agency was there and she said, oh my goodness, you can make a lot of money modeling. And I thought, oh, forget about governor of California. I'm not gonna get into politics. I'll go and be a model. Great, happy days. Thank God I did that, actually, because, um, you know, it started the ball rolling. And so I went to New York and, you know, lived on pad thai and bagels and cream cheese because that's all I could afford. And then um, my agent says, you have to go to Europe because it's easier to get magazine work. The more magazine work you get, the more money you make doing the catalogs and the campaigns. I said, okay, fine. So she said, okay, where do you want to go? Italy, Paris or England? I said, let's go where everyone speaks English. So off to England I went. And within and the first, how old were you then, Caprice? I was I was old for a model. I was twenty four. But that's yeah. a big deal, isn't it? To leave home, to leave New York, California, and and come across to England. How how did that feel at the time? Well, I mean, it's the second time I'd ever flown to Europe. You know, when I was eighteen, my mom kind of said, "Okay, bye bye, figure it out. I don't have any money to give you. Bye, good luck." And, uh, you know, so I just sort of had to play to my strengths and my strengths at the time were the way I looked. And um, as superficial as that sounds, you know, again, I played to my strengths. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't particularly, you know, I didn't do great in my studies. So um, 
and I did have my sights on being governor of California, which was absolutely ridiculous. And so, you know, off to the world of modeling. And, but when I, when I started modeling, you know, all these girls were eight feet tall and, you know, as skinny as my finger. And I've always had a fuller figure, at, at least in the modeling world. And I was quite old at the time for a model. So I thought, okay, the traditional catwalk thing is just not going to work out. And at the time, it was all about FHM and GQ and all this babelicious thing going on. And so um, I booked, um, you know, after I did the National TV Awards, get, now I'll get on to the National TV Awards. That's when everything started. Trevor McDonald was there. I wore this Versace gown where you could see everything but my nipples and my M&S knickers kind of covered up the private bits down there and um and surprisingly everyone knew who i was the next day it hit every single paper alive okay that's fine it was great you know all of a sudden i went from zero to hero and the whole of england knew who i was but it's one thing okay fine being famous overnight which a lot of people are these days you know the, the world of reality but it's another thing keeping it for over 20 years and making it grow and and having that longevity and that sustainability so and that is one thing that i knew very early on i knew and you know what it's hard because when you're playing the fame game and and at the top of your fame and you have nothing but yes people around you adoring you telling you how perfect you are you start to believe your own bullshit. you really do and yes i was a nightmare and yes if somebody didn't know who I was, I thought, you don't know who I am. And, you know, and it's a young thing, too. I was young. You know, when you're in your 20s, you have a bit of attitude. And now, and for the first time in my life, I've, you know, when I was 25, I made my first million. That's a lot. That's big. You know what I mean? And that could go straight to your head as a young girl. And it did. And I'm the first one to admit it. So what advice, Caprice, would you give somebody who now found themselves in that position, so a footballer or an actress or somebody in their 20s who instantly finds the kind of fame you did and the kind of money you had. When you look back now, what, what advice would you give to your 25-year-old self? Well, I think more importantly, what the kind of advice, because very few people are, you know, are not going to go into the modeling world or be an actress. It's a tough competitive world and there's not a lot of money in it anymore anyways. It's a different market. What I would, the advice that I would give people in their 20s when they're thinking, what the hell do I do with my life? I would say the first thing is very simple. Play to your strengths. What do you love? What are you good at? Because let me tell you something. Nothing is worse than waking up every day and hating what you do. If you love what you do, I promise you that's half the battle and you will be successful and you will make money at it. And more importantly, you will be happy. And that's ultimately what we want in life. And when you think about those modeling days now, uh, uh, coming over to London, all, all that huge takeoff, yeah. What, what do you remember with fondness? What made you happy about it? And, and what made you less happy? What made me happy was when you, when you don't have any money and when you know what it's like to 
not be able to eat what you want and when you want. And then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, you could, <laughs> you could buy a house on your own. That made me happy. They, that, the freedom and the independence made me the happiest. And my mom, one thing, my mom always raised me um, because at the end of the day, and you know, I'll always be brutally honest. I could have been the best gold digger and I probably would have been richer, you know? And I chose, well, my mom, this is one thing that I credit my mom is she always said, listen, your independence and your freedom is everything. Fight for it, work hard for it. It'll make you the happiest. And she was absolutely spot on. And that's exactly what I did. And, um, and things, you know, but I, I've, I've worked hard. I'm a grafter. I've reinvented myself 500,000 times. You know, even when I was pregnant with my kids, I mean, I was literally in labor talking to the office, uh, negotiating margins in China with my China factory. I'm like, wait a minute, contraction. <gasps> okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. <laughs> they thought I was crazy. Through that moment, the margin got bigger for you. Oh my God, that was the best negotiating power ever. <laughs> I want to be in labor all the time. No, seriously, it was unbelievable. The owner's like, I need to get off the phone. It's fine, whatever you want. <gasps> Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> I, I just have to get past this contraction and then we're good. He's like, no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> and he actually committed to it. <laughs> so, so. And Caprice, going, going back to, to that sort of, you starting out in that modeling world before we talk about you going to be an actor into business um what 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 about that world surprised you um what what about what are the watch outs for that world for for any you know young girls now thinking about that's the kind of thing they want to do what advice would you give them well what i would anyone that aspires to be a model or an actor please finish school finish school and also, you have a lot of scams out there, more scams that I've ever seen or known of in the modeling industry right now. If they tell you, listen, give us 300 pounds, we have to take some pictures for you. Uh, no, that's a scam. And, and obviously, overnight, uh, as you said, fame in the UK, um, mm -hmm. and uh, hugely successful as a model. Uh, and then you began acting. So, so tell us about how you got into acting. What was your brain? Well, you know, back in the day when Baywatch was huge, you know, um, they offered, uh, they offered me, this is, this is how, oh God, I was, my head was so ginormous. They offered me to take over from Pamela Anderson. And, you know, at the time, Baywatch was massive, absolutely massive. And I went to uh, a number, I, I went and I cast, you know, I, I, I read some scenes and they said, they offered me, they gave me, they, they made an offer. And I told my agent, you know what? I don't want to be typecast. I, I'm, I, I don't want to do this. Total idiot. What's wrong with you, Cap? I didn't even take my own advice. Play to your strengths. Okay, fine. It's a bit, it's the biggest show in the world. It was the biggest show in the world. And I was going to take over from Pamela Anderson. That was one of the stupidest moves I have ever. And that goes to show you never be led by ego. Ego does not service you at all. Put ego in your back pocket at all times. So I remember that was a massive break, but of course my head was too big and I didn't take advantage of it. But then I thought, okay, I need to be a credible actress, whatever that is. 
And so I did the West End. That was actually a good move. Um, I did, I played the lead in Rent and then I did the Vagina Monologues. So that was a good move. And then, um, you know, and then I did, a, I, I was offered a few bit roles, but they weren't massive and it was all babe stuff. I mean, the competition was fierce and that's what I was. That's what people knew me for. And I rebelled against it. I declined a few more good roles and then I took a few ridiculous, I didn't even know where my head was at. But now is a really interesting time because at 48 years old, I'm getting offered some amazing roles with some meat, with some substance, primarily because most of the people, most of the actors at 48, if they haven't become big, then they just go on to get, you know, a very reliable job and they give up the whole profession. So the, so the competition isn't as fierce. So, um, so I, I, you know, you could have careers at any age and at 48, I'm diving back in. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And, and, and it's been really great. I've been, I've, I've, I've uh, done a few really great projects and I mean, with lockdown, there's been a lot of cancellations, but you know, but we'll just pick up the pieces once we get out of this and start again. And what do you most enjoy about acting? I enjoy being somebody else. I, I enjoy the whole process more than actually shooting the scenes. I enjoy making a character real for me to be credible to my viewers and also I just enjoy being somebody else. Don't know why. Don't play into it. I just do. So if yeah. you could be somebody else, who would you be? Well, I love playing these villain characters. I find them to be really fun. My last, well, uh, I played this uh, character where she is a CEO of a major record label and she's brutal. If you get in her way, she'll kill you, literally. And so I had, I did these very brutal, really violent scenes and I loved it. I thought, oh my goodness, do I need to go see a therapist? There's some underlying, you know, <laughs> there's something wrong with me because I loved it and I really got into it. And even when they said cut, they're like, okay, Cap, no, cut stop cut cut <laughs> like oh sorry 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 yeah okay okay and and what's the thing that um is your least favorite aspect of, of films and movies and theater and acting um i don't think there's anything that i don't like about it I, oh no some okay yeah yeah it's hurry up and wait you know we're on set we were waiting for our scene, but they're behind on the scene before us, and we just have to sit there and wait for three hours. The waiting, it does my head in, but it's just all a part of it. So, you know, I'm just thankful that, that I, I'm given some really great parts and I'm able to do this to 48 and start again. So it's all good. And, and whenever you see uh, actors and models uh, interviewed, they, they always talk about how lovely everybody is and how wonderful it all is. And I often wonder, is, is that because it's just completely inappropriate to say otherwise in that it's not going to help your career? Or is it a genuinely lovely, happy industry where everybody gets on and uh, there's no infighting and um, everything's perfect? No, they're completely full of bollocks. But, you know, in Hollywood, they're all full of bollocks anyways. You know what I mean? They really are. I have never, this is why I just cannot 
I cannot live in LA. I just can't. They all try and do what's politically correct. They all try and say the right things and do, and they, and they actually believe their own bullshit. I actually think they believe it, but it's so superficial. It's so not real. Is the industry, is the modeling industry all hunky dory? Is the acting? No, it's not, but it's just like any industry. You know, and this is one thing that I don't like about it, but I don't have a lot of friends actually in the industry. And the friends that I do have are not full of it. They're real people. They're good people. You know, and I think that's one thing about maturation. A lot of people ask me what, you know, being a model and, and so superficial and what, you know, how do you feel getting older and getting the wrinkle and the cellulite? And, you know, it's interesting getting older and you're just more secure. You know, and I think a lot of people say this, but and I, initially when I was younger, I thought, oh, they're full of it. But actually, they're right. You just become and like to, in, in today's world, it's really important that that you surround yourself with really good people because you take on people's energy. And I find a lot of people in my modeling industry and in the acting are full of it. So I don't have a lot of friends in the industry. But, but then again, being a mom, I mean, so consumed with work and with being a mom, you know, your friends start to change and you don't have as much time, right? And, 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 and being a wife as well. It's, um, I mean, it's a blessing and I love my family, but it's all consuming. You have no time for yourself. Yeah. You know, you, you just you, don't. You remind me of my dear old mum, who's now in her late 80s. And uh, she said to me uh, that the happiest time she had was when she was in her 50s. But she felt yeah. super confident. She felt she'd done the mum bit. Um, she felt that she had time and space and a whole host of things. So it's interesting you talk about the fact that as you got older, you become more self-confident. Um, and and why, why has that happened for you? Why do you think you've grown that self-confidence as you've matured? Um, I think... You know, I, I do think in my career, I'm at a stage where I'm quite financially secure. And I think that that people will think that, but they won't say it. But, you know, having financial security really makes a massive difference. And I've fought for it and I've grafted for it. I was never given it. So I'm okay to say that. It's okay to say that because I've earned it. Um, I think that helps. But I also think maturation I think after you become a mom and, you know, in my life, I've had a few, I've had a hell, really scary health scare and I've been a fighter my whole life. Nothing was a silver platter for me. So I think the older you get, you appreciate, you don't care about the bullshit. You just, you just want peace. You just want good people. And I'm very protective of my boys, my family. I will fight. I will do what I need to do to make sure they grow up in a good environment, a safe environment, a happy environment, and full of kindness. You know, today's world is just changing. I mean, especially with this, uh, with this virus, I think the universe was, was saying, listen, you guys have got your priorities so messed up now. I think you're right. And uh, it, it was drawing me on to, to the question about almost the, the third phase of your working life which is becoming a super successful businesswoman. And um, I was reflecting on what you've done with Biker Priest 
and of mm. course you started that nearly two decades ago now yeah yeah it strikes me that you, that you were amongst the first that i can certainly remember that took your personal brand and started to make it into products you see it quite a lot these days sometimes mm. successfully sometimes not but but you did that a long time ago so how did that come about caprice how did you start thinking about how you turned you into a really successful brand and business? Well, uh, you know, in the modeling world, I was very realistic. Yeah, I was very hot at a moment. And I knew that eventually that parade would, would end, you know, or dwindle down. So I knew that I had to capitalize on the power that I had. Because when, you know, you're on the cover of a magazine or in the newspapers every single day, that's power because you create awareness and you create sales. So I thought, what in the world would people buy into where I could utilize this? And it's all free marketing. You know, we didn't have back then, when I first started, we didn't have social media. So that's what I thought of underwear. Okay, yeah, but was anyone doing license deals? No, did I really know how to run a, a lingerie company? Heck no. So I thought of doing a license deal, but nobody had done license deals. So I had to convince this guy called Terry Green. He was the CEO of Debenhams. Debenhams was the flavor of the moment at the time. So I had to convince Terry Green to take on my brand, invest a few million. Yes, it'll sell. They'll make a fortune and he'll be the flavor of the town. Uh, when I first walked in, he thought I was mad. But of course, he took the meeting because, it, you know, because at the time I was a flavor. I was the flavor of the moment. Um, but I was very persistent and, um, and he finally said yes. And he ended up being the flavor of the moment and he ended up being, making a fortune. <laughs> so it all worked out, you know, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. So, um, you know, but he did take a chance because it wasn't tried and tested. I mean, now everyone's doing license deals left, right and center. But at the time, you know, it was a risk. And Terry took that risk and, it, and he ended up benefiting in a very big way. And so did I. But then it got to a point where I knew that I wouldn't be the flavor of the moment and they would drop me. So that's when I took matters into my own hand. And I wanted to expand. I wanted, I've always been very ambitious. Um, I wanted the brand to not just be a debutant. I wanted the brand to be everywhere, even worldwide. So I started supplying myself. And, you know, there were the ups and downs. and you know, I almost lost the business and I lost quite a bit of money in the exchange rate, you know, in, in the 2008 disaster, economic, you know, disaster. Um, and so, yeah, I did lose a lot of money and I learned and I had to re, re, not rebrand, but completely restructure my business. And I did. Um, and I was able to survive, you know, that's what we were all doing back then. Um, as I was able to survive and rejig it, downsize, you know, find new, better margins, better factories. And, um, and that's what I did. And I survived. And then I was able to grow again. And so now we're here in this economic disaster. But weirdly enough, weirdly enough, my sales haven't been that affected yet. You know, I'm thinking, okay, when do I have to start uh, figuring this out now? <laughs> you know, reassessing, rejigging, but it's been okay. But, but this is even scarier than 2008, I think, because we don't, 
I mean, it's strange. I, I know I'm jumping around left, right, and center because I don't want this to be about doom and gloom because I also believe that it's a very positive time. I think when we do come out of this, that we're all going to be better people, nicer people. And I think that we will be more focused. You know, this is a time right now not to panic. It's a time right now to reassess where you're at. Are you happy in your career? To be creative if you're not happy. And it's an exciting time as well because we have a lot of avenues to access the world and it's for free how exciting you, is that oh it, well it's fantastic and, and and i think that you're uh, uh, an amazing role model for how you've done that how you've taken your brand how you've built it how you've internationalized it starting in lingerie sleepwear linen now so you, you've built an, an amazing business and I'm sure there are people out there who are thinking, oh, I'd like to build a business. I'd like to do that. What, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to them? What, what, what are the things that you've learned over 20 years that you would pass on to people to try and help them get going? Well, to start, you know, small business, there are, one, they say, you know what, Caprice, you're lucky because you had the money, you had the liquidity. And, and I turn around and tell them, yeah, but, you, you there's there's help out there if you need the money there's grants there's government grants there's there's businesses there's entrepreneurs offering you know um, um financial help financial packages you have to just put together a really good treatment and access these get off your dairy get off your little tushy and do the work if you want to start a small business and you don't have the mean you don't have the liquidity well go out there and access it that's what i did you know, when I when 2008 came around, I lost a hell of a lot of money and, and I've been paying my taxes for over 20 years. So I am just in the, you know, I, uh, I have the right to do this as well. Because some people say, but you shouldn't be accessing government funds. I'm sorry, I've been paying my taxes and God knows uh, the fortune. And when I almost lost my business, I did this. And I filled out a 20 page document to get help and I got help and that helped me from losing my business completely and it helped and, and I didn't have to uh, lay anyone on nobody lost their jobs you know so ultimately it was much better you know ultimately it's better for everyone I still employ people and my business doesn't go under and then I'm able to grow it and employ more people etc et so so that's not an excuse and, and also have to battle is in your mind you're your own worst enemy you could do it you could we could do anything you just have to put your mind to it you just have to say i can and i will and let me tell you something there's going to be days where you're going to fall down because we all do it's the successful ones that get back up and you know what you're going to fall down again and you know what you're going to get your little tushy up back up again and sometimes like in my business i i've started you know i remember i i launched a hair straightening company I put a lot of money into this. And sometimes the smartest move that you can make is to let a business that is not working go and to start a new one. And I know it's painful. You're like, but I just put, you know, 10 grand, 20 grand into this business. I just, I, I can't, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work. Okay. Sometimes it's good to be a little bit, but is it a good idea? Is there a gap in the market? Um, what are you? you know what do you foresee for the future do you see a profit do you see and more importantly it's originality and gap and competition are you offering a better price for a product that's 
out there, but not in a big way. If it's an oversaturated market, which for me, hair straighteners, GHD was doing it way better. Clairol was doing it way better than me. The best move that I made was to say, okay, this isn't working. I gave it my best shot. I'm going to take my losses and I'm going to run for the hills and start something else. And that's exactly what I did. And it was smart and it was the right thing to do. That's great advice to people listening. And of all the things you've done, which, which makes you happiest? Being a model, being an actor, being a businesswoman, what, what would you say? Being a mom. Yeah. That makes me the happiest. It does. They drive me absolutely nuts. But um, honestly, I mean, I love, I love my business. I, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I came out of my mom's womb being an entrepreneur saying, I want to, you know, I want to build businesses. But when I had my boys, they make me the happiest. And what I do now is all for them. So I have another, the second wind in me, you know, a second, ah, you know, ambition, a second, um, you know, I want to do well for my boys. One, I want them to see a strong woman. I want to inspire them, but I also, um, you know, want to, want to give them uh, a good financial start. I want to help them out. And I want them to have the best education that I could possibly give them and, and give them as much love. And again, like I said, inspiration. And I want them kind people. I want them to be generous people. People will be, uh, as I said at the start, genuinely inspired by what you've achieved, Caprice, through, through your life. And if you were sitting your boys down now and, uh, and wishing one thing for them in terms of their working life, what would you wish for them? their working life i want them to be successful i want them to be successful and i want them to be you know i also believe that the world is like a cycle you can't just keep taking you have to give as well so like for me it's important that i give back to the world of entrepreneurship that's why i do a lot of these talks and do i get paid for them some I do, I'm lucky, but most of them, no, I do it because I want to inspire people. I want to give back to the world that has given me so much. Um, no, and, and then also charity. Don't be greedy, guys. God, if you're lucky enough, if you're not like, I can't stand that word. I really can't. If, if, if you have the means to help other people, please do it. You know, again, the, the, the world is a cycle. The more you give, the more you're going to receive. I don't know how it works. It just works like that. Trust me. So. And thinking now about the lockdown that we're in, how has that changed your, your working life? What was your working day like before COVID and what's it God. like? It's, it's a roller coaster, but it's like this for every, you know, some days you'll have good days and some days you'll have bad days. And that's okay. The, the good news is we're all in this together, you know, but right now, please try and, and this is what I've been trying to really reassess things. How do I make it better? How am I more creative? And right now, you know, it, it, the, the future is scary and maybe we're not making the kind of income or no income, God knows what, you know, we're just sustaining things, but I'm still giving a lot to the NHS charities. God, these people, wow. It still amazes me. If I, if I, if one day I wake up and I start to feel sorry for my, myself, I stop and I think of, oh my goodness, think of all these doctors and these nurses and these carers that are risking their lives every and working ridiculous hours for nothing. 
I mean, that is crazy. And Caprice, a couple of quick questions to, to yeah. finish if May. The first is, what piece of music, when you hear it, makes you feel happiest? God, this is really sad, actually. I always sing this song. It's from Barney. <laughs> Can you imagine from bloody Barney? And he goes, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. That one. Whenever I hear that and I sing it to my kids, I'm so happy. And also Karen Carpenter. My kids, do you remember, did, was Karen Carpenter here? Well, yeah, my grand- Huge. Oh, she was here? Oh, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Well, for some, whatever reason, when I was a little girl, my grandparents used to listen to Karen. That was their favorite artist in the whole wide world. And, you know, one, one powerful thing about music is it'll take you back in time and it'll take you to, and that was my happy place with my grandparents in the car singing Karen Carpenter songs. Great choices. And um, uh, if you were giving people some advice on uh, how to get the best from lockdown, what would you say to them? Again, it's all your state of mind. You know, if, if you have some bad days and, and you will have bad days, you know, just go with it. But at the end of that day, I want you to do one thing. You have to promise that you'll do this. You're going to say to yourself, okay, today was a crap day. Okay, fine. Let's go with it. Let's cry. Let's be bored. Let's feel sorry for, okay, fine. But tomorrow is definitely going to be a better day. And watch, it will. It will. And when you look forward, say 10 years, um, what what do you see yourself doing? Governor of California? God, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I want to build my business. I want to build more businesses and I want to help people. And I want to be a great mom. Well, on that fantastically positive note, Caprice, it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you about your life, about um, growing up and being a model and actress and now a, a fantastically successful businesswoman as well. So thank you for your insights and being so generous to share with all of our listeners. Uh, your life story and I'm sure they'll have drawn huge inspiration thank you hopefully thank you so much and have a great day thank you for listening and again if you want to take control of your workplace happiness go to engaging.works and take the free happiness survey see you next time